the next episode of Nerd, Clicks, and Chill will start in 3, 2, 1, 0. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd, Flicks, and Chill. And in this episode, we're going to be recapping Sharp Objects. This is the second episode uh, of the show. Title is Dirt. So after last week where we got kind of the intro to the characters and the establishment of the kind of the town of Wind Gap, the setting where all of this is unfolding, I think this episode really served to kind of dig a little bit deeper into, um, you know, kind of some of the the uh the the story and you know the interactions with the characters it did but it's it it felt to me that it we're on a a slow trudge this this show to me does not move very fast but that does not mean that i don't find it interesting i find the show very interesting but it's it's giving you a lot to chew on uh at a time yeah, I love it's, it. it's like focusing taffy. a lot. Yeah, it's focusing a lot on um, the character relationships and not so much on the larger mystery. Right. You know, I think I think this episode really is strong in that it it establishes the town and the people within it and as kind of um an unnerving force, you know. Uh, like when th- this whole episode takes place over the course of one day over that, uh, murdered girl's memorial, it's, it's, you know, her funeral and it all takes place in this kind of one contained day, but to the greater story, what it serves is giving you some characterization as to the people that live in this town. Right. And the, the secrets that they hold or the... What they like to project, what they're yeah. trying to project as opposed to what is actually going on. And what they say about you when you're not listening. Right. You know, there's so much of this episode where, you know, Camille is walking through a place and there are, you know, little whispers about her. So we know that she also has a reputation and they do a really good job of uh, kind of filling in some of her backstory, but making it kind of a mystery. Like, we know that she has been through some trauma. We also know that it is very public trauma within the town. And there are a lot of people who seem to have a lot of opinions about her. Right. This is this is a show of subtlety. There are so many little things that... Uh, are easily missed. And one of the things are actually quite a few of the things I missed in the first episode, because I made the mistake of having the episode on and trying to do something else at the same time. This is not a show to multitask. You have to be focused on this show because there are so many little subtleties and uh, quick clips of things that will happen that only gives you brief it only gives you brief glimpses but those little brief glimpses are saying a whole heck of a lot and it's so easy to miss and one of the things that I've noticed that they did again in this episode and I'm sure you're going to talk about this Nick and they did it in the first one were just the power of words and the subtlety and um just just how they they sneak in words whether it be something uh 
uh, blatant on screen or something that's kind of a a vision that Camille is seeing. Um, it's really creative what they're doing within the show with that. Yeah, they did that bit with uh, the words again, kind of similar to what they did in the first episode. And they they did it here as well, where they're just kind of, you know, throwing, you know, words in there just to kind of, I think, provide a little bit of a window into the psychology that the characters are going through. So I think it's a really neat idea the way that they've kind of continued doing that. And you're right, this show does exist, you know, so and, and rely so strongly on its subtleties and the way that it, it kind of slowly moves the story along. And I think that there are those little little pieces for the, the viewer to pick up on um, in, in how they reveal some of this stuff. But we're also seeing it kind of expand to the greater story. So much of it was about Camille's kind of psychology in the first episode. We've seen that expand out to the detective's character. Yeah, a little bit. We got a little bit more with him. Uh, but not enough for my taste. I, I'm curious about him. I want to know more about him. Yeah, and I think that he seems to be somebody who is also an outsider, but maybe doesn't have some of the... Like, like Camille is an outsider, but she's not. She's like an insider outsider. You know, right. she's somebody who is uh, kind of an outsider, but grew up within the town, whereas Chris Messina's character is a complete outsider in that regard. Right. But now we're starting to get a, a kind of a window into his psychology. And he pulled off that uh, that teeth-pulling scene in a really interesting and disgusting way. Yeah, that was kind of... That was kind of gross. But it's like... But that shows his dedication, too, to the job. You know, that he's he's willing to kind of think outside the box or trying to really get into the mindset of... Well, not necessarily the mindset, but what does it take to be a murderer? What does it take to do the things that this murderer has done, you know, to pull out somebody's teeth? You know, is that easy to do? Is that hard to do? And so he he gets this pig's head, this freshly uh, slaughtered pig. Usually we can see that he's carrying a bag and we see that there's fresh blood that's in it. So we know that this pig hasn't been dead for very long and uh, he struggles with it. And that was one of the things that the coroner said uh, about the body that, yeah, it's going to take some muscle to do that, but the killer would have had some adrenaline. So and so he's, you know, next scene we see that he's curious. Okay, what does it really take? Yeah, it's it's definitely a kind of a gross out scene, but it's it's really well executed though. Yeah. I love stuff like that. I you know, I like when I see things in these shows that I haven't really seen before or all that often, and that was kind of a new one. Like, hey, let's let's take the guy from the Mindy project and have him take a pair of pliers and try to pull the teeth out of a headless pig <laughs> or a pig's head i, I guess it, a, bodyless be a body pig. yeah a bodiless pig let's <laughs> see now i don't know words um yeah you know and, and again get kind of getting back to the words one of the things that that i did notice in this episode is there were words that kind of turn yeah that happened a couple times so 
you know, there was like a subtle one where there was the banner behind the mom yes. that said hurt. And then later it said hope. Right. And then there was the one on Camille's car where it said scared. And then later it said sacred. Yeah. And I, I think these are all just little windows into the psychology of the character, you know, and, and kind of, I, I don't think they are necessarily breadcrumbs as much as they are just like little hints about what the characters are going through, what the psychological state is. Yeah. I think it shows um, just how powerful words are to her. I mean, she has words, she has scratched words into her skin. She will see like phantom words pop up. She will see words change. We saw in the first episode where she saw street signs that were saying personal messages to her. Uh, this time there was another thing that they did. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, when she was at the wake, um, at the house of the girl, and uh, she saw the, f- I think it was the father of the first girl that was murdered that comes out of the house. The license plates on the cars were saying different words. Oh, really? Were- I did not catch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it said, one of them said bundle. Another one said punish. And a third one said tangle hmm. on the license plates. So, you know, it's just showing the power of words. And plus, she is a reporter. And yeah. words are her weapon. Words are her shield. So I, I think in in that subtle way, that's what they are showing us, too, is just yeah. the, the power of these words and the subtlety of that. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that kind of raises its head in this episode is her proclivity for self-harm. Yeah. And, you know, she she does things where, you know, that that very unnerving scene with the the needle from the sewing kit into her fingernail or into her stomach later in the episode. Yeah. It's interesting because she, you know, she does a lot of, like, cutting and puncturing of her skin. And it's also strange the way people say sometimes that words cut deep. And Mm. there's kind of this tie-in between... The power of words and, you know, in this case on her, they're literally cutting into her. Yeah. And they're powerful words. They're strong, aggressive words too. Like, you know, like scared and liar and hurt and sacred. Like they're, they're words themselves that have power. Yeah. And, um, you know, like they're not words like maybe or I don't know. Like they're, they're strong <laughs> words, you know? Uh, so I think that also ties into to, to some of that as well. Um, and it could be that, you know, we find we that that words have had influence over Camille in her yeah. life. I think that's all still yet to be revealed. But, um, you know, it's an interesting connection between the 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 self-harm through cutting and the use of words, which also are metaphorically cutting. Yeah, we're getting more and more into Camille and just a little bit more glimpses into what her past is. And I'm almost finding that bit so much more interesting than the reason why she's back at home, you know, with the murder that's going on there. I'm so 
interested in her because Amy Adams is so captivating in this role. And it's ironic that words are so powerful when so often she's on screen not saying any words yeah. <laughs> at all. You yeah. know, it's and and just her presence as Camille is it just it sucks me in and I want to know more about her because I, I find it so dynamic and interesting. Absolutely. And I think I think one of the greater aspects of this this particular episode is this idea of being around people yet also still feeling alienated. You know, we have her going to this funeral. We have her going to uh, this reception afterwards. We have her going to this bar, you know, and there's a sense of alienation that is always surrounding her. There's also uh, the rejection that she gets from her mother uh, that is reminiscent of the rejection she felt as a child at her sister's, you know, funeral. Right. That came back around with Ama in this particular episode. And I thought it was really interesting with her mother, uh, where she was at the funeral with her mother and she sees her mother pulling out her eyelashes. And at first I'm thinking the first time we see it, you know, we, I'm interrupting myself. We we know that her mother is all about appearances, right? And she says so many times, you know, for the good of the family, for, you know, she's, she's so about what everybody else's perception is. And they're at this funeral and, and she looks over and she sees her mother plucking her eyelashes. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this woman is plucking her own eyelashes to make herself cry because she's not feeling any emotion and but then later on we see two other instances of her pulling out her eyelashes and that's not the case at all that it is a form of self mutilation and when she pulls out her hair and when she's feeling stressed or, or undergoing stressful times and heightened actually heightened emotion and we see that that runs in Camille's family that you know, she self-harms by cutting and scraping into her skin, and her mother does it by pulling out her eyelashes. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, too, because that's another kind of thread in this episode. Not only is it like the, you know, I was just talking about how being in a town full of people and feeling alienated, but it's also this idea kind of of, like, repression. And what we're seeing here in this episode in particular is almost multi-generational repression that's taking place in this town where like you have Adora who is trying to keep up appearances, but seems like kind of a, a crazy train wreck in her own right. You have Camille and we know that she's got all this trauma in her life. We have this young girl who just died, Natalie, and we understand we're kind of seeing the perceptions about her that are way off where they talk about how, you know, this was not the Natalie that I knew. This was something different where she seemed like more of a tomboy and she was kind of presented as something else. So we're kind of seeing this idea of people having to keep their true selves, you know, repressed because of, you know, maybe social perceptions maybe there's some other thing that we that yet remains unseen to us as the audience but it's this kind of multi-generational repression that we're seeing well we even see it in um camille's half-sister you know when she's oh, at absolutely. home 
when she's at home, she's got her hair pulled back and she's wearing a very demure dress. And then Camille and her stepfather and mother leave to go to the funeral. The mother says that the half-sister has to stay home. And when Camille goes out to get the sewing kit for the dress that she ripped, she sees her half-sister out and she's dressed in um, regular clothes and she's, you know, sneaking vodka at the store. And yeah, so she's at home and she tries to have this very wholesome appearance. But then when she goes out, it's completely different. Right. And I, you know, that's even Camille in this episode wearing that dress. Yeah. is a form of like repression of her true self and mm-hmm. you know we see it tear and i think that terror is symbolic of of her character um you know wanting to kind of break away from that that feeling you know so i think there's a lot of that in this episode a lot of um a lot of reveals about the kind of two-faced nature of some of the people that are in this town yeah again very very subtle, lots of symbolism all throughout these first two episodes, and I'm sure throughout the rest of the season. And I love this kind of stuff because I think things like that challenge the viewer. And it doesn't, one of the things I appreciate as a viewer is it doesn't treat the viewer, it doesn't spoon feed you everything. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to dig into it a little bit. And I think also, I, I would hope that as the uh, director or the screenwriter for this, that it gives them a really nice playground to play in as well, because it, it, it challenges them too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I really, really appreciate the things they're doing on this show. Another really well used piece of symbolism in this episode are um, spiders and spider yep. webs. There are a lot of images of spiders and webs in this episode. There's a lot. And those things tend to have a lot of symbolism in literature. Uh, you know, the, the idea of, you know, spiders create their own webs. They, you know, create their own, you know, webs based off of their choices. Symbolically, it's like we as human beings, we create our own webs and based on our own choices and they are uh weird there are weird crossing points for certain interactions that we have um you know they they, it kind of draws attention to choices that we make in our lives and it's a it's a good example of how we can kind of i don't know construct the life that we wish to live by building out some of these webs hmm it's interesting to see how that is going to come into play. Yeah, it's, it's you know, very curious because as far as a whodunit thing kind of goes in this show, we're not getting a whole lot of that. There's a little bit of suspicion. There's the one girl's father who seems a little bit weird. There's the brother who seems a little bit weird. You know, uh, another one they kind of threw out there is they did that whole scene with uh, Chris Messina trying to pull the the tooth out of the pig's head with the pliers and then of course a little bit later on we see the sheriff holding a pair of pliers as he's hammering a street sign you know little little illusions like that Mm. that might get your brain working into the whodunit but to be honest with you like the whodunit aspect of the show is not the piece that i'm super into yet you know it's really funny that you say that because that's one of the things that camille's editor 
says that that's not what he's looking for in the peace that he wants to get from her. Right. He, you're not there. He tells her you're not there to solve this. You're there to do a character piece. And I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, well, that's what the show's doing. The show's yeah. not there for this to be a murder mystery. The show is there for this to be a character piece. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Interesting, too, with her editor, I think the name of the character is Frank, where he seems to have a proclivity of his own for th- fixing things that are broken. Yeah. And I think that's another great little metaphor for some of what's going on in the show. It is. And I ab- I really like him. I actually think he might be one of my favorite characters on the show. We only get little tiny snippets of him. But I love him and I love the relationship that he has with Camille. I really do. I, I love that he calls her kiddo. And um, I like his wife, too. His wife that's there. There's There was a little exchange uh, that I absolutely adored. And it was the first time that he was on the phone with Camille. And the wife is kind of listening in. And after he gets off the phone, he's like, yep, go ahead and say it. And she says some kind of a, you know, anecdote. He's like, nope, not that one. And she's like, oh, you better be you. Well, God, now my mind just all of a sudden swept. Um, you better know what you're doing. He's like, yep, that's the one. And then they have this conversation about the fixing things and, and whatnot. But I absolutely love um, the dynamic between those three. I yeah. really do. Well, it, it's it's interesting because for Camille, her mother and father yeah. feel very fraudulent. Yep. You know, and we've seen more of the mother. We've seen more of Adora and we've, we, we're more speculate, you know, we're more, um, skeptical of her motivations. Her father seems like a square, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but also that kind of character could also beneath the surface be a monster. Hmm. Or he could just be a square and that kind of character could go one way or the other. But she has these parents that are not very attentive to her. But yet, through Frank, the editor, and then through Jackie, the the local lady who she seems to really like a lot, she kind of has these, like, surrogate influences in her life. Yeah. Yeah, I love that he's kind of like a father figure to her that, that she hasn't had. And maybe that's part of the realization for her. Or maybe that's part of um, what we're going to come to understand more about her character. Hmm. I think that I think that is a very cool um it's a very cool idea because you know some people don't have great relationships with their parents and some people do have more familial relationships with just other individuals. I yeah. think it's good to see that. And I think you know hopefully this show is going to go down the route that they're that those relationships are healthy, you know? Yeah. Uh, I hope. I hope this is just not all darkness because it does feel like it is getting very heavy and very dark. Yeah, I I would I would hope that yes. I mean, it's the show is starting to feel kind of suffocating, isn't it? And yeah. uh that there has to be some bit of lightness in that. It can't be all darkness. You have to have some kind of a break or reprieve from that. I would, I would hope. Um, so for me, that that's what the editor does, and I hope that, you know, that's 
her lightness as well. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the other thing about this show that, that I found very, um, I don't know, very fascinating in these first two episodes is that it really paints a picture of the, you use the word suffocating, the kind of suffocating nature of being in a small town. You know, we tend to think of, of small towns as being very freeing and very stress-free, but, you know, they also come with a big microscope. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we see. And we see how reputation, you know, plays a part in this town. Even the, the, this scene with the little boy, um, you know, who's living out in, you know, as kind of like a squatter with his sick mom and he's got a gun and he claims that he saw the woman in white take the girl and, you know, um, his story is completely disregarded. And I think it's disregarded because of his station in life, because of the perception of, of his family. So again, we're seeing the value of perception. Yeah. And it seems to be popping up everywhere with all these characters. And maybe that kind of thing, maybe that, that way the perception can drive so much of, um, you know, how we govern ourselves that maybe it makes a town like Wind Gap perfect for somebody who wants to be a killer. Right. You know, because you can hide in plain sight because nobody is their genuine self. Everybody is is wearing a mask. Everybody is behind a facade. And that's been the continuing thing that we're seeing from these characters. And I think that's what makes the story so fascinating. Because if you are going to look at the whodunit aspect of this show, either you could really be anybody. It could really be anybody at this point. I don't yeah. think that's the fun of this show, though. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. I mean, like I said, specifically because of what the editor said to, to Camille. Yeah. You know, you're, you're there for this to be a character piece. This is not for you to solve the mystery. So are we going to know who the killer is by the end of this season? Maybe not. We might right. not know. Right. Uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about too, what did you make of Amma's breakdown towards the end of the episode? Um, There's something that she said that stood out to me in that breakdown that she's talking about Natalie, and she said, I thought I could save her. She says, she reminded me of you. And 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 she was basically saying, like, I couldn't save you. But I thought I could save her. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she has a personal connection to this girl. Right. But what I mean, is that? Right. That's, well, that's the mother. That's Adora. Oh, the sister. Yeah. Sorry. Amma's the sister, but you're right. I mean, because this is all taking place in that same scene. So yeah, that's another revelation that comes out is apparently there was a connection. And apparently she feels like Camille needed saving at some point and she failed. Yeah. But then with Amma's breakdown, was that theater on her part? Or is that a legit breakdown? Because the actress does such a killer job at making that kind of ambiguous that you don't really know. Yeah, I I really don't know. I mean, I think there's I don't know much about this character. I I I can't put a finger on her. And I'm hoping we get a little bit more into her so we can find out, you know, does is this does she have fits regularly? Is this 
part of her mo is she genuine um what led to that i don't know was she just drunk or that too because she had the vodka in the convenience store earlier this is all in the same day yeah i don't know but yeah i I think that's that's part of again that this uneasy feeling this uncertainty that you have about everybody this suspicion that you have about everybody it's just a does a great job of creating this kind of uneasy feeling and playing around with the psychology of not just the characters but the audience as well to make them you know feel uneasy and suspicious and maybe replicate some of what jillian flynn was intending when you know she wrote this book there's another bit of subtlety that happened earlier on in the episode and i don't know if you caught this uh but it was as they're all kind of having breakfast before they're getting ready to go to the funeral and amy adams character of camille picks up a knife and and wants to cut an apple and the mother walks over and she's like here let me take that from you and takes the knife from her and camille almost looks kind of like offended by it and then the maid walks over and takes the knife away from the mother and it's it's to me it's almost like you know the mother didn't want camille to be handling a knife because she knows that she harms herself right. the maid then takes the knife from the mother because she knows that she is unstable and harms herself and so then the maid cuts the apple so i that was just a an interesting little handoff that i noticed yeah i think this episode the you know and even just kind of talking about it is is always a good way to kind of help me recalibrate some of my thoughts on it yeah i feel like on the surface you can come into to this show watch an episode and think that it was kind of a slow burn and not a lot happened but at the end when you go back and reflect on it there's actually a, a whole lot to chew on yeah, and as we were talking about this as well, I'm thinking, I wonder how many people tried watching this and thought it was really boring. Right. You know, I think there's probably a lot of people that that unfortunately aren't going to pick up on the subtleties or unfortunately aren't going to give it a chance and aren't allowing themselves to see it. And I think that that's a shame. I, But I, I'm pretty sure our listeners aren't those people. Yeah. Of course not. I mean, if, if people aren't watching this, I think they should. Because yeah. you, know, you and I talk about storytelling all the time and the importance of storytelling. There is actually really good storytelling happening here. Yeah. It's really good. Yes, it's a bit of a slow burn. There's not, you know, people lurking around every corner at, at all times. Um it is a character study that is kind of hiding within this greater murder mystery. But it's really good storytelling and it's, it is subtle, like you said. And I think that, uh, it really, it really works. So after the first two episodes, I'm, I'm all in. I can't wait to see what the rest of the season has in store. Yeah. I'm, I am as well. Um, like I said, because I, I almost don't care about the murder mystery. I want to know about Amy Adams' character's past and, and what was it that happened? What put them on the trajectory that put them where they are now? Right. And I'm finding that so compelling and that's enough to get me to go to the next episode. Absolutely. 
All right, so you guys have heard our thoughts on Sharp Objects Episode 2 Dirt, but we'd like to hear yours as well. So hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at NerdFlixChill. Also, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you are listening on one of those platforms, throw us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. Wanted to thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week with another recap of Sharp Objects. Until next time, everybody, may the force be with you, because the night is dark and full of terrors. <laughs>